Hey Jason, how you doing this week? Doing great, Dan. How are you? I'm. I mean, I couldn't be better. I don't. I can't think of a way I could be better. <laughs> I mean, yeah, wonderful. Yeah. What I'm supposed to say to that? It sounds wonderful. I'm happy for you. It's a, we're on episode number ten. Ten is a great number. Oh my God. And um, I, I I couldn't be happier to be here with you today. I same. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday to you. We've yeah. got. We're going to be talking about a bunch. I just want to toss this out there. We're going to be talking uh-huh. about uh, BT and Telefonica's multi-vendor strategies. We got Orange's <laughs> okay. perspectives on hyperscalers uh-huh. and the operator network. Yeah, we've got uh, Telstra's resiliency. Okay, I mean we got a lot of stuff here. Do we? Great. Yeah, Wonderful. this is like packed. This is like power power hour. Uh huh. Fantastic. Can we? We should rename the show maybe to pow- the Power Hour with Jason Hoffman. I think the Power Hour is like a religious show, isn't it? I think if we get popular, it won't matter. They won't know about it. They'll just think of us when we say that. Pretty sure. I mean, maybe I'll, I'll Google the Power. I'm not hour. very religious, but sure. Maybe that's trademarked or something. We can't. Jesus use it. Christ! It's even the PowerHour.com. My God. Oh, <laughs> it's like knowledge is power. It's even a. It's a podcast. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There's even the Power Hour radio show, which is on another I thing. Guess, well, we'll stick with living There's, on the edge then. Um, Power Hour apparently is a drinking game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> did you know that? I did not know it that. It says Power Hour or 21 for 21. I'm reading Wikipedia. Fully attributed. Yeah. It's a yes. drinking game where players must consume a speci- specified number of alcohol shots within one hour. Variants include... One shot of beer every minute for an hour or 60 Ooh. shots of beer within an hour. It's a shot of beer. It's not a can of beer. I was going to say well, a shot of beer is not that much. That's a barely In the a United sip, really. States, a power hour event is often associated with the person's 21st birthday when they reach the- Really? It sounds, now it says consequences. I think it's important. <laughs> Players may have difficulty completing the specified number of drinks at the rate of consumption can rise yeah. their blood alcohol content to high levels. The rate of alcohol consumption makes the players intoxicated within a short period of time. Now, there's apparently a trademark controversy. In 2010, wow. Power Hour LLC, run by Steve Ruse, who markets a DVD game named Power Hour, <laughs> registered a trademark of the same name and soon after began sending cease and desist orders to Ollie Spagnola, a musician who had released an album oh, Ollie, also yeah, titled Ollie. Power Hour. Spagnola... <laughs> announced her intentions to fight the claims an intellectual property professor from the University of Pittsburgh stated, if Power Hour is a generic description of a drinking game that involves drinking a shot of alcohol every minute for an hour, then Power LLC can't have any trademark rights at all. Wow. And then in 2012, the courts ruled in Spagnola's favor. It's amazing. What a, what a story. I mean, I think that's all we have time for today. Yeah. But, well, thank uh, you, Dan. Jason, was, yeah, great talking to you. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Cool. B B T uh-huh. and uh Telefonica. Ooh. Wow. Let's highlight emerging multi vendor nature uh-huh. of the five G core. Okay. Not to be confused with the demon core, which was <laughs> not at all nuclear bomb. Yeah, absolutely. Here's a quote for you. The main component of the five G SA is the five G mobile core, the brain. Nice. 
of the 5G system. Unfortunately, most 5G core deployments are still single vendor dependent with strong Mm -hmm. dependencies on that vendor's underlying proprietary architecture. The single vendor dependency can be a killer for innovation. It restricts open collaboration from the broader 5G ecosystem of companies developing new technology use cases and services that the market expects. This is a quote from Patrick Waldemar, vice president and head of technology in Telenor Research. Wow. Yeah. Instead, Telenor says that it has deployed a truly multi-vendor 5G <laughs> core environment running on a vendor-neutral platform. Okay. What you have often in, in private referred to me as the holy grail. I, I, okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, the next sentence, though, it says it's all running on Red Hat OpenShift. So I guess it's yeah. not multi-vendor everywhere. It's not. <laughs> okay. Um, what do you want me to say about this? I mean... I don't know. Like, what do you, what do you think? I don't understand what, (laughs) (laughs) well, I understand what, what operators are trying to do when they publicly talk about these things. No, no, honestly, I don't because, um, you know, the, the multi-vendor argument is always, well, I guess you can almost start at the top level and ask yourself, are you going to have vendors or not? And the alternative to not having vendors is you do things yourselves, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the question becomes, um, do you actually have the capabilities and talent to do things yourselves or do you have to buy it from other people? And if you're buying it from other people, are they doing an R&D effort where they're doing something that is for 100 companies like you and you're all basically paying into a common R&D effort where you're getting a benefit from that that is greater than what you would get if you're doing it yourself, right? Right. So that always ends up being sort of the trade-off on that. Now, when you look at operators in general, uh, I can't think of many operators that have established networks. So I'll exclude Rocketin as an example there, because, but, you know, well, we don't need to go into any, any, any sort of criticism or commentary there because it's a little off-topic, but... Um, no operators developing their own software in this part of it. You know, they're not writing their right. own core software or anything else like that. Right, right. And uh, to me, you know, in general, if you want to uh, control your own fate, you're going to be writing your own software. Uh, unless you have a robust vendor community that can supply that for cheaper than it would cost for you to do it yourself, which presumably is the case now in the vendor community for 4G and 5G and some day 6G cores, uh, that in fact, um, the amount of requirements that go into this body of software is large. And uh, a company, you know, like some of the vendors mentioned here, can develop it mm-hmm. uh, on behalf of many operators. And then they can just sort of buy it and do everything else. Uh, now, <clears throat> um question of whether to like be multi-vendor or the the like is um a balance in my opinion of um who who exactly you offloading risk to you know so a lot of times when you see people say well you know we have a single vendor network and and there's things where you know somebody like softbank in japan was single vendor for for many 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 years and my recollection is they had the best performance and availability even though they're a single vendor, uh, and uh, nothing was wrong with that that business. So, being multi-vendor, single vendor, 
uh, has its own trade-offs uh, and uh, its own sort of dependencies, but there's nothing about it that makes it inherently the better choice. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. So, and this article seems to indicate that they they think it is. It's a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Good. Of, of course. But but again, I, I don't know what what's the purpose of. I mean, you you. you I'm going to say this as a consumer right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's the audience for this article? Is it other operators like, hey, you should be multi-vendor too. You should follow my example. Is it just sort I of a, I didn't is it, get is, that from is it. it like a peer-to-peer like, hey, yo, check us out. Is it meant to be a, oh my God, you know what? I'm in a country that has Telenor. <laughs> oh my God, I should switch yeah, to Telenor. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, if you saw this article and it's about AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile and right. at ts like, well, we're going fully multi-vendor in the core. You're going to switch your fucking sub over? No. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I don't know who the, you know, maybe the vendor community. Yeah. Maybe that, cause you know, in a lot of ways operators get what they procure for and they have a certain procurement regime and, um, yeah, they get what they procure for. So yeah, whatever. I don't know. I mean, there's nothing. I think it's one of these, uh, generalisms that just don't. Just don't matter. I think we move on to the next one. The role of the hyperscalers today in the networks remains, in fact, very limited. This is a quote. Whether we are talking about telco cloud or AI platforms, the difficulty of moving from one public cloud to another would depend on what exactly an operator has purchased. This is according to James Crawshaw, a principal analyst with Omdia. <laughs> what is that? It is a sister company to Light Reading. Okay. Uh, he says... If it's just infrastructure as a service, it's easy to go across. If you use platform as a service, like the Google Cloud Spanner database, yeah, that is not available in AWS and Microsoft Azure. Yeah, which might be a bes- good idea. You could also use the specialized chip that AWS is doing and maybe get like a 10 or 100x you know, efficiency gain as a consequence. And? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there, his argument is that this makes changing providers difficult because it's a bespoke I think the digital thing, service. Yeah, whatever. I think the thing. I think the thing that makes it difficult for operators is insufficient in-house talent that actually develops against these things and mm-hmm. reliance on uh, a certain procurement regime and who their system integrators are and who's actually like doing the work at the end of the day. Uh, that's what I mean. Right? I think the whole. Let's go all on one cloud, or let's go on all the clouds, or you know, mm-hmm. let's do this. Like these choices of, there's no inherent, um, correct choice there. The, you know, it's, it's not this type of choice of of. It's not like some moral choice. Right. You, you know what I mean? So yes. you know, meaning like going single vendor on this, or going all in with one cloud provider. That is like hitting a child. It should not be allowed. Oh, oh, geez. Oh, well, I mean, none of us want to hit children. So we, we should go and not hit kids. You know, it's, it's not some moral choice. Uh, it is a thing where people will end up somewhere on the spectrum relative to their reality and their own capabilities and, you know, how it, how it basically looks, right? Um, yeah, okay. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I, I get, What's the word that I'm looking for? Hyperbole, mm. euphemisms, a little, 
But uh, um, I mean, people need to go and determine uh, the state that they're in, do a proper situational analysis, come up with what their own desired unit economics are and how they're going to continuously improve them. And then they should go and have a target architecture and a target organizational architecture and a way of operating that allows them to execute on those things. And some people could go through that analysis and come up with the idea that going all in with a single cloud and a single set of uh, component vendors is what works for them. And there's some people that mm -hmm. could sit down and say, no, uh, we in fact can handle this complexity of many to many. Uh, and in fact, uh, we do such a great job of it that we have definite benefits relative to other people because of what we do. Okay, great. Is one of these morally better than the other? Right? So I'm going to say no. Yeah. I'm going to say no. Yeah. Now, the thing about it, though, is there's always, <clears throat> to me, um, it all comes down to complexity analysis and complexity management. So in complexity, and it's funny because you often go to people and you say, well, you know, how complex is this? And they'll go, well, and it's like, what do you mean, well? I mean, you can quantitate complexity. Like you can actually analyze complexity. There's people that study complexity. Like how complex is this? What do you mean? Well, I mean, complexity is just a, a, a measure of dependencies and interaction. So are there more things interacting? Are there more things dependent? You know, uh, w which means there's different categories of failure events. Like there's a number of things. So like what... What are you doing? And when you increase things to have more dependencies and more interactions, you're making it more complex. And so mm -hmm. then if you're making it more complex, you have to have an answer to how are we managing that complexity? Right. And I, and I think in a lot of these, um, you can shift things around. So you might have people that say, well, and I'll give you an example. Well, we have all these great choices in the core here. Um, and then you get into the details. And the details are that they have one system integrator putting it all together for them. Ah, uh, right. And on the other end, it's running on one thing called OpenShift. Right. I see. Okay. So you standardize on x86. You standardize on this physical form factor. You standardized on IP. Um, you standardize on OpenShift. And then you got a whole bunch of choice that sits on top of it. And then what goes on top of that is like one way of automating it and one person who's responsible for putting it all together and making sure it works for you. And you're just paying that in one lump sum. And it's relatively good as a percent of your total revenue and that kind of thing. Okay. Then why position it like a moral choice? <laughs> <laughs> right? So, whichever. Next. Okay. Um, let's see. The um, Telstra mm -hmm. sees resilience as a monetizable differentiator. <laughs> okay. Resilience will also come from having direct relationships and joint go-to market strategies with the cloud hyperscalers. This uh -huh. is by Katinakis, uh, who is uh -huh. calling out Tel Telstra's absolute partnership approach with Microsoft, AWS, and Google comprising unified go-to market models, co-creation of services, identifying problems that we can solve together, and the potential sale mm -hmm. of services to each other. We've chosen to partner with them to bring value. Who else are they going to partner with? To, to bring value to our customers <laughs> jointly because we think that both sides will optimize for that. I'm so, but who I'm else so, are they going to partner with? I'm so glad that 
Microsoft, AWS, I mean, you and Google. Know what, well, you who who else? You know, what, you know what makes me really happy here is the fact that what? the partnership's absolute. It's absolute, man. Uh, <laughs> Didn't you know that? It's yeah, absolute. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? What does an absolute partnership mean? Uh, it means that I guess they're telling the truth and they're not sort of partnering. They actually mean what they say. I, I, I don't. I don't know. It's it's one of these things where people will talk to me and they'll go, well, to be honest, I'll say, wait, hold on a minute. Now you're being honest? What the fuck were you talking right, about a minute ago? Before. Yeah. Why do you have to call that out, to be honest? What do you mean, to be honest? Like, I call that out. Uh, but I guess you have to put absolute in front of partnership. It'd be like saying an absolute marriage. We have an absolute marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Not a relative marriage. Not a relative right. marriage. We're not a relative right. not a Not a partial marriage. No, no we're, we have a unified, it's a unified, unified co-creating togetherness uh, things. Um, it's fine. Uh, I don't know if... Um, Who else are they going to partner with? Seriously, um, I'm like, that's a legit question besides the three of them. Uh, I don't know. Themselves, I guess. I mean... It's, uh, I mean, the thing is, is we believe it because let's say resiliency is a monetizable differentiator. Let's, let's go and say that. Um, okay. You know, I mean, do you agree with that part? Yeah, but resiliency is like the capacity to recover from a failure. Yes. Right. So we, we always sit around and say that there's reliability on one hand and resiliency on the other. And, um, organ like essentially deciding that um um you're going to design towards one or the other is all of course always a design point you know reliable means it's not going to fail resilient means if it fails it will recover quickly right please explain to me how quickly recovering from failure just plug in the definition for the word as a monetizable differentiator What's this mean? This means things like the Telstra in-home router reboots faster than any other mm -hmm. router from any other operator. Is that what it means? I think so. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, would you switch? That's a differentiator. Would you switch? No. Nope. Um, I like where my terminal is. Uh, I mean, what they're saying is then now this is like, well, we have a distributed network of small blast zones. Oh, okay. So you're saying is that you're not going to have a country wide network outage. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I mean, uh, does that happen a lot? Um, depends on the country. So mm. a country like Korea, yeah, you could have a network, you could have a countrywide network outage because the Korean peninsula is three or four milliseconds long. It's not a big country. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and, uh, but you know, it's, it's pretty there. If you look at Australia, even though the globe tells you otherwise, Australia is like, is, is bigger, bigger than North America. And I don't know if you notice, but a lot of people don't live in the middle. Right. Uh, they live all around the edges. And so it's a little bit like, how would you build a network? And this is just connecting things where imagine the United States where all the cities that had most of the people in them we're just on the coast <laughs> or the border of Canada or border of Mexico. Right. Uh, that's all. That's Australia. So you have um, a country already 
that the very nature of it, you'll do long haul connectivity across the country, may branch off and serve some smaller communities and the like. But a city like Sydney just presumably would have a very independent network from Melbourne or Perth or somewhere else, because how else would you do it in that geography? Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I think the um, the tendency here is people are trying to, or they feel that they need to tell a monetization story that's new around their network transformations or 5G or something, you know, that, oh, we're, we're transforming. And even though that's a good idea, it still has to be monetizable on the other end in some net new way. Right. Um, I don't know. It's the kind of thing guilty people do. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like when you walk in, you find your kids doing something and they're just sitting there quiet. Uh huh. And you're like, what, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, not, 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 not nothing. What's all this stuff all over? What is all this? What are you really it doing? There. It was there when I got here. You know, and they're like quiet and you're like, something's going on here. Something's going yeah. on here. And they start yeah. saying shit like a guilty person starts saying uh-huh. stuff. This article reads like guilty person's talking. <laughs> what do you think they're guilty of? I don't know. That that's I just, that's the concern, right? I you know I I don't know. I mean, it's I don't I don't get the I I I think there's a certain honesty that can just be said in the mobile industry of, um, you know, you use these phones and you're doing these things with it, and we understand that it's important that if you go and look on your iPhone and you say find my, and the my is a watch that one of your children's wearing. We understand that you want to know where that is. And when you hit a button and you call them or you text them, you, you want to know that's going to like work. And we're working every day to make sure that's the case. Uh, and we have to continuously do investments in order to continuously improve, to constantly make that the case. And what we think is that you should stay with us for that journey. What's wrong with just saying that? You know, I've never, I I, I think that would be very refreshing. Well, I've never seen an industry, honestly, even though I've been, I've never seen an industry that has so much, I don't know, like, like envy of other industries. You know, like, why why do you have to go and tell a, you know, like, oh, Netflix is streaming. So you want to go like telecom, I I don't know, whatever. Let's go on to the next one where all these articles, I mean, I, I don't know why shitting on the mobile industry today. <coughs> Excuse me, Dan. All right, let's look at the next set of lying. Uh, Verizon's communication. Oh, this, one's inks, definitely, uh, this one's definitely full of untruths. CEO Hans Vestberg on yeah. Goldman Sachs 30th annual Communicopia conference. This is a transcript in what which... Is, what is Communicopia? I, I mean, I was... This is, Goldman, uh, oh, this is what Goldman Sachs calls her conference. That's right. Yeah, yeah. What is copia um, as a root? Yeah, I don't know. We He says, we launched, I think, for almost two years ago, the first 5G mobile edge compute. 
And we're still the only one in the market that has commercial oh offerings, god. both on po- private and public. Oh my god, fuck off. So the head start is probably two years, and it's going to be a land grab because it's a very different model where we're going to serve our customer with our licensed spectrum, where they're going to rely on it. It's so then know, we're going to yeah, see. Just stop, just stop. It's so disappointing okay. he says stuff like that because I mean, it, what he's Have saying, you met is, him? It, what he's saying is true, assuming there's only one country in the world, which is America. Uh, it's a very, <laughs> it's a very American thing to say, even though Hans is an American from an American operator. I mean, uh, not to tout our own horns, but. Uh, we we launched just as robust of a cloud in 2018 in Germany, right? And then we did in Poland. And we we are like like from a mobile edge side, and a Deutsche Telekom side. We've done this three years ago, uh, and we participate in industry forums like GSMA and other groups in that. Then you have a few operators, not to call out Verizon, AT and T, but these are good examples of people that go off on their own and act as literally the in- entire rest of the industry doesn't exist. So, you know, and, and it's, and it's, uh, it gets irritating, you know, when you sit and someone's like, well, you know, we're two years ahead of, well, two years ahead of who exactly? Not of us. Tell you that much. You know, we launched first, launched first, three years later, it's first, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, and you have to, you have to wonder, okay, does, does he not know or is he lying? Which one? Like, neither one of those is correct. And I look, Hans, if you listen to the podcast, thank you for listening. But tell the truth. I hope he is listening. God, I hope I, I, I hope the fuck not. I think he is listening. I don't think he's listening. Hey, Hans. <laughs> did, you, did you use Verizon? No. Okay. Okay. I think Sorry, Hans. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I have been. I was a it's Verizon customer for a year, uh, many, 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 many years ago, like ancient times were they called Verizon I th- when you were a customer I can't remember but you know why I think I switched AT&T was when the iPhone came out oh because remember AT&T is the only person that had the iPhone yeah. yeah so that was back in 07 so I might have been on Verizon before that but hmm. never since interesting the um, AMT who you know as the or as you pronounced Ampt <laughs> which is the American Tower Corporation also presented at Goldman Sachs' thirtieth uh, annual Communicopia conference. Communicopia is it? Are they think is Communicopia supposed to be like Cornucopia? I think it is. Okay, but they're um, they just went ahead and just made their own word. Yeah, they have their own word. Um, and uh, okay, why, why do you think that is? Well, because I mean, no, Cornucopia they, is yeah. Besides yeah. being a symbol of plenty, yeah. You know, it is technically a goat's horn full of fruits and corn and stuff. Fruit. It's supposed yeah. to be a, a goat horn. It's supposed to be a, a, traditionally a goat horn, I guess, even though. Overflowing with a bounty of uh, riches. Yeah. So communicopia. Well, and what what is, uh, I guess, corn, what, again, is copia, is, is it Greek? What is it? Yeah, it's, it's Greek. Are you Googling it? Yeah. Okay, it's a city. Okay, we got that. In Greece? Um, cornucopia, symbol. Yeah, but like, where's... Oh, horn of plenty. Jesus Christ. Horn of plenty. It just means horn of, horn of abundance. Corna, horn. Copia, abundance. It's, it's, oh, it's copious. Oh, my God. It's a bit, copious. It's, in that same kind of, it's the same kind of root as copious. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. Plenty. So this just means a lot of communication is occurring. <laughs> this is an abundance of comms. Well, it makes sense. It makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So 5G, uh-huh. we're at the very early innings of it. I don't think we've even touched what the opportunity is going to be for us in the United States. Uh-huh. And because it's not just about speed, right? Yeah. It's all about, to me, it's largely about latency. And so I look to the opportunities okay. for applications, new ways of doing business, new Great. ways of living, oh my God. new ways of living, Jason, new ways that you and I are actually living our lives are going to be impacted by the benefits of 5G. Did you know this? Yeah. And that's different than we've seen in 4G or 3G. And so I would expect that 5G is going to be here again, clearly throughout the decade. Uh, I, yeah, it's going to be here until 20, 2030 and beyond, but, uh, but by 2030, we'll be... How is it going on 6G? But okay. How is 5G going to literally change my life and give me a new way of living? I think. I want a new way of living. Eight years from now, eight years from now, you will not be discussing 5G anymore. And if I ask you, how has 5G affected your life over the last eight years? Yes. You would probably shrug your shoulders and go back to drinking your coffee. Um, It's just not going to. Um, it, it just, uh, there just needs to be a bit more of an honesty from the industry about what we're really rolling out and sort of why. And, um, I think what's from an American tower perspective, what's good about quote unquote 5g or anything like that is that you are building out more sites and the sites have a higher turnover. And these guys, of course, at the end of the day are real estate investment, um, you know, REIT real estate investment trust that, that manages these sites. So um, it's going to be uh, fine, I guess. But but I think a lot, a lot of the hyperbole around 5G is, um, you know, sometimes for, for people that are in it, it's, it's just this type of thing where you're sitting there and saying, yeah, we, we did, we did 4G and now we're transforming in the 5G. And that means that we're disaggregating these elements and we're combining these things and we're converging here and we're getting these efficiencies. And so what we're really setting up is, you know, the ability for emerging devices and these use cases and what that's going to look like. And we have the following things to figure out and it's going to happen over, you know, the next five, six years. And then, you know, we're also having a conversation now about what 60 is going to look like. And that'll start showing up, you know, in about you know, seven years and it'll start getting deployed in 10 years and look sort of here. And we sort of look like that. And, you know, and then you're going to sort of move on to like the next thing, but presumably like 2g did something for you, right, Dan? Oh yeah. Okay. So what, so what did 2g do for you? I mean, 2g gave me the, the iPhone, right? Yeah. I think that that was was, 3g. No, I think that's, uh, yeah, see what I'm talking about now? Yeah, I don't remember it. Yeah, I made my point. So let's go on to the next one. <laughs> well, now I'm wondering what, uh, what the first gen even had. Uh, remember how I would say edge on it sometimes? Yeah. Yeah, so what's, what's, uh, um, what's it? What was edge? Oh, look at this. So here's, here's the history of this thing. Uh-huh. Singular gave Apple the liberty to develop the iPhone's hardware and software in-house and even paid Apple a fraction of its monthly service revenue in exchange for four years of exclusive U.S. sales until 2011. Jobs unveiled the iPhone to the public January 9th, 2007. Mm-hmm. The two initial models, 4 gigabyte and 8 gigabyte, God. went on sale June 29th, 2007. That's of storage, by the way, not memory. That's the funny right. part. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was uh, then in, in 2008, that's when the iPhone 3G came out. Uh-huh. And the 3GS was in 2009. Yeah. 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 The original first generation iPhone was made of aluminum. Uh, and then they switched because they went to the plastic back to increase the strength of the GSM signal. Yeah, the GSM signal, which, mm-hmm. which you know, EDGE stands for Enhanced Data Rates for GSM Evolution, also mm-hmm. known as Enhanced GPRS and that kind of thing. It was a mm-hmm. pre-3G uh, technology, uh, and um, it was deployed um, onto GSM GPRS networks. And those networks were typically referred to as 2.5G networks. Interesting. Uh, and uh, But it was just around getting that. You'd, and you'd see Edge back in the day on your BlackBerry. And then when the iPhone came out. Uh, and um, uh, and then, yeah, it went 3G and Wi-Fi you know, on there as well. So then And GSM is global s- system for mobile? Is that what JSM st- stands for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it's stood okay. for. Yeah, and CDM just just to to tie up this topic. Yeah, January eleventh, two thousand eleven, Verizon announced that they had an agreement with Apple and they would begin selling selling the CDMA iPhone four. Yeah, wonderful. Two thousand eleven, amazing. What is you know, and it's so so funny when you just think of living through the pre-iPhone, post-iPhone world. That's weird, isn't it? And the iPhone isn't amazing. I mean, it, it is when you look at the last... It's a good terminal. 13. <laughs> you're, you're learning. Okay, next. Yeah, come along. <laughs> Dell Technologies claims its core business and architectural shifts in mobile network infrastructure puts it in a prime position to grab a larger share of the well, 114 this, billion this, telecom market. This I would describe as an entirely... True article. Uh, that's true. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's, here's the quote. Here's yeah. the quote. Uh, yeah. Our core business is growing and thriving. Yep. And from there, we are building multiple multi-billion dollar businesses in areas like Edge and Telco, where our yeah. market position, unique capabilities, and go-to market reach let us do what others can't. This is Michael Dell speaking yeah. at the company's analyst event. Yeah. I mean, I... um. He is correct. This is a big opportunity for them, just like it's been a big opportunity for other, not other, but ODMs, uh, for example, and and, and people doing that. I mean, it is, uh, uh, you know, as he says, or at least as Jeff Clark, meaning as vice chairman and and chief operating officer there said, is that the majority of the spends on on radio and the radio side has been quite disrupted. And and then, uh, and keep in mind too, that the CTO, longtime CTO for Dell is John, John Rose, and uh, he used to be the CTO for Nortel and has a tremendous amount of experience in the radio space uh, as well. So it's definitely an area for them to step in and do their thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, Dell is, um, you know, it's, they're, you know, definitely, uh, you know, an important American company you know when it comes to going and still doing the type of uh manufacturing and system design and everything else that they're doing so godspeed so you like this this is a good article for you we got a good one i you know it's uh it has a bunch of true statements in it yeah 
Yeah, it does. Uh, is how do how do I say this next one? Equinix, Equinix, Equinix. Good, good, good news is that all the ways that you said it, except for Equinix, is correct. So people, okay. So and, some uh, people will say Equinix, Equinix, like Equinox, and some people will say Equinix. I've heard both. I've even heard them both from mystery company names employees. Mm. Well, mystery company name and Nokia are teaming up to provide production and framework for testing 5G and edge solutions. Okay. They have a development center uh, that is in Dallas. I could, I could go visit. You know, maybe we should do a little, you know, live show from the floor at the International Business if Exchange you, uh, there in Dallas. If you want to, yeah, yeah. Production ready interconnection sandbox environment from the radio <laughs> network to the cloud. What? Okay, well, how many how many adverb how many adjectives? <laughs> it's production ready. Production ready interconnection sandbox sandbox environment from the radio from network. the radio network to the cloud. the cloud. Okay, yep. Um, <laughs> as we look to a future where five G is ubiquitous, the way mm-hmm. that IP traffic moves between networks around the world will change completely. Will it really? Yes, Jason. And interconnected data centers will play a crucial role in this new 5G-dominated future. This Uh is Sean Hempfel, the VP WebScale Business at Nokia. Or Nokia. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think about that? This is another thing that's going to change completely. It's changed the way we live. Uh, Because when when 5G is ubiquitous, Okay. IP traffic will move between networks in a way that is completely different from the way it moves today. Okay. Okay. I still remember when the telcos were switching to packet switch networks back when I worked at a CLAC back in like the late nineties. Cause I'm not, I guess. Yeah. 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 Okay. From circuit switched, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the funny part is they still are. They're still switching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Care to comment on this article or? I guess the way I read it is, you know, um, I'm going to say Equinix uh, in this sense. Equinix has a data center in Dallas. Yeah. And it looks like um, either um, Nokia, as it says, Nokia IP solutions underpin the fabric. So maybe Nokia has sold them products. And mm-hmm. Equinix has used those networking switches and routers and software to have a product offering. Uh, to of which it's like, okay, cool. And then apparently, with this product offering, they test it before they let people use it, uh, and they also use it, let people use it. For other reasons, um, <laughs> uh, or uh, Nokia went to Equinix and got space power cooling and put a bunch of stuff in there, and then they presumably let other people, including Equinix, use it too. Okay. Telstra Purple. <laughs> I mean, so. not not to be confused with Telstra Yellow, Telstra Purple. Okay. And Air Airspeeder have signed what is being called a multi-million-dollar technical partnership 
so that they're building the race control system for the EXA racing series. I see. Uh, the business arm of the telco will provide a private, fi- you guessed it, 5G network that will handle the terabytes of data sent for vehicle-to-vehicle and vehicle-to-infrastructure communications, as well as data visualizations, edge compute power, and app development. And... Um, makes yeah so makes sense so this they actually have a cool picture of this thing the air speeder yeah. yeah it's pretty cool which is smaller than you would think it is but it's kind of fine it has um air speeder says it has robotic avatars in place of humans in the cockpit that mimic movements made by a pilot in an on-ground simulator mm-hmm. in order to provide information on how rapid acceleration and deceleration could affect humans it makes i mean telstra purple you know was like i think a couple of years ago you know, Telstra, which is, of course, the uh, traditional incumbent, formerly government-owned operator of Australia. Right. Um, Telstra Purple is them taking all of their, prof- like, professional services, consulting technology services that they had largely acquired. So they bought, like, Bridgepoint and iVision and Cloud and, they called it, and VM they called it Tech. Purple. And so they had, I don't know, probably... 9, 10, 11 acquisitions and, you know, and it's a couple thousand people and they all combine it together and said, now this is Telco Purple, you know, which the way you think of it is, I guess, no different than like, uh, you know, any sort of professional services and consulting company. And it looks like Air Speeder mm-hmm. is a customer of theirs, but it's a customer of theirs where they are marketing this and investing in the customers. So they're calling it a multi-million dollar technical partnership, I guess. So, well, this thing that the airspeeder is pretty cool has a top speed of 200 kilometers per hour. It's pretty cool. And it can fly uh, under 40 meters from the ground. Sounds uh, awesome. But who, I've never heard of these. What are they racing? Who, who's racing them? What well, are they? Is there like an event? My understanding of them is they are like uh, electric flying cars. Yeah. And they're unmanned. So you're wearing like some augmented reality or you're wearing like mm-hmm. things and then you race them. So just. It's like NASCAR racing, but, but in the, but in the, in the sky. sky. So like take NASCAR. Okay. And put it 30 meters above the ground. This seems like it would be incredibly and cool for the, the people. Take the driver out and put them yeah. in the stands and just have, right. have fun. Yeah. I mean, it seems like for the driver, this is incredibly cool, but it's not like something you could really observe as a, a like a fan. If it's going 200 kilometers per hour. I guess you could, it'd be like watching NASCAR, but you're. It's like lay on a on a I don't know, yeah, but like on I, the ground. I, I wouldn't and, go do it. I wouldn't go watch it personally because NASCAR is one thing, but there's like wheels on the ground, so you know. Mm-hmm. But no fucking way. Hmm. I mean, this is like literally, it's like a flying blender. Yeah, you know, like let's go, let's let's go take a blender and have a blender levitate thirty meters off the ground. And then we'll just have it. You're it'll, calling it'll, it a, it'll are you calling it a blender? Because yeah, I'm sorry to the, say, but like 20, 20, <laughs> 20 idiots with a headset somewhere <laughs> racing gigantic flying cars. Okay. Yeah. In a circle mm-hmm. is pretty much indistinguishable 
from an audience perspective in the stadium from a goddamn blender, right? Just, I mean, think about it. <laughs> no, I wouldn't watch it. No, okay. Uh, GE but I'm, but I'm, but I'm, a, but I'm a, you know, I'm a very, I'm a conservative person. You know, I, mean, I always have. Yeah, been. no, I can. You know, I was like I literally, I was a careful child. Um, you know, people sit around. Yeah, hey, let's go bungee jumping. No, I literally have had zero urges in my life to go bungee jumping. I'm completely with you, and people have suggested it to me, and they, I have no interest in bungee jumping, base jumping, parachuting out of a plane. Oh, I would. So I'd parachute out of a plane if Why? I was like an army airborne soldier. And well, I was literally defending my family and like, sure, sign me up. No problem. You know, um, but just for fun. No, no, no. Why? Why? What's fun about it? That's fun. You know, what's fun. Just sitting in a chair <laughs> <laughs> and not, and not dying. Yeah. I, I just don't, uh, I just, <laughs> I just don't get it. It's just, maybe it's just not for us. I'm okay with that. It's okay. Exactly. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing. We'll just go on. GE, GE Healthcare Korea said it's entered a strategic partnership with SK Telecom to build digital healthcare infrastructure in Korea. Yeah. And they had a picture of the, the two uh, guys up there, both wearing what looks like almost the same suit. But the guy on the right isn't wearing a tie. He's wearing what looks like just a t an untucked T-shirt under the... But it's not like... I feel like you can get away with that if you're like a Don Johnson type. I mean... But I don't feel like this is working with him with the other guy next to him wearing the tie. Have you? Did you look at this picture? Uh, I'm looking at the, the pic. I don't know if we're going to get nitpicky like that. Um, yeah. No, I want to. Uh, I, I think uh, in one, it looks like a sweater more than a T-shirt. Um, yeah, maybe, but it's very lightweight. Well, that that could literally be like a two thousand dollar Laura Piana sweater. So, yeah, you know, honestly, if if let's say that's a five hundred dollar t shirt or a two thousand dollar sweater under there, I mean, you know, it's more expensive. He wins. So he's probably trying to be cool too. Which is, he looks cool. I like it. I mean, it's better than. You like uh, them? Yeah, well, I mean, it's better than the tie that's four inches above the belt on the other guy. I mean. I, Not that you should go full Trump on ties because that's mm, that, but the tip of your tie should be touching the top of your buckle. Touching the top of your buckle. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Maybe, you know, but then again, I don't think you should, I don't know, maybe it's the color of the sweater or shirt. You're assuming it's a sweater. I, I think the know. only problem you have with this picture is that the shirt matches the background wall. It matches, you know what? I think you're right. Yeah, it matches the background that's too what's closely. Throwing you off. If the shirt was like a navy blue, mm -hmm. it looked great. So, yeah, yeah. I can I can imagine that. Maybe we can, you know, send them a note or something for next time. Well, the, Through the this, sad part is that's the head of the cloud business at SK Telecom. It's also an investor. Do you know him? Yeah, yeah. I'll uh, I'll shoot him a note that I'll, I'll get him a. Just let him know what I said about the background and matching the background. Through this partnership, the two companies will cooperate in exchanging and operating God. related technologies to realize digital healthcare solutions. And I mean, like, what's this podcast? Service. What's this podcast? We're picking on SK Telecom's like shirt now, and I called Hans Vesperg a liar earlier. Is that what we're doing today? I mean, I'm not worried about it, yeah, but okay. you know, from my standpoint, like if I was his handler, I'm going to show up. I'm going to say, "Listen, sir, you can't wear this." expensive sweater. I know you like it, but it's the same color as the background. And when you have a picture 
when you know you're going to be taking okay. pictures with Kang uh, yeah. Hu Jun left, uh, and you're going to be on the right. You're going to be right in front of this. Yes. It's going to look like you're. You're right. He's needs better handlers. It's not his fault. No. Makes a ton of sense. And here it sounds like so it sounds like essentially GE Healthcare is going to be an SK telecom customer, which makes exactly. Sense. Um, which is awesome. interesting, I think. A variety yeah. of its digital healthcare solutions and technical support. Yeah. Offered through this. Great. Wonderful. Knock yourself out. You don't think it's a good thing for them? I think it's just a customer announcement. I think it's like we have a customer, but we don't want to call them a customer. We want to call them a partner. Here we are together. It's a great picture. I mean, well, Google Canada celebrated the opening of its Toronto cloud region. It's about time. It's second in Canada and it's 28th worldwide. Fantastic. First one opened in 2018 in Montreal. I wonder why, it's good I wonder news. why Montreal first. Well, it's a beautiful city. So you turn the tap water to cold in Montreal, it's cold. Oh, yeah. That's probably why they did it. 100%. You know? Oh, yeah. They want the cold water out of there. Yeah, but they've also, I mean, Google's had a tremendous presence in Toronto for many, many years. I mean, it's where literally where so much of the AI work was born and done and everything else. Uh, let's see. Cisco mm-hmm. is strengthening its partnership with, wait, who are they doing this with? With uh, Quilt. They're trying to monetize uh, content delivery. Sounds nice. Yeah, I don't care. Um, <laughs> uh, so there's an article on lightreading.com. Yeah. That says that there is a new king. A new king has been crowned in the cloud. Okay. That's a, that's a good title. What's it, what's it saying? Uh, it says, when you scan today's uh, management market, you realize ah. you have to reset your thinking. Instead of looking for one database to address your requirements, focus on how you manage your data in a cloud-native architecture. Anchor your initial workflow to map and address persisting, per, persisting a myriad of data types in the cloud that will align with your specific business requirements. And so what is what is the one? And so they talk about traditional SQL, distributed, no SQL, managed. Okay. And uh Yeah, I know you know your database stuff. Yeah, I they're just, saying it's, that, it's, it's that, such a clickbait title. A new king is crowned in cloud. I mean, you read that and you expect to go in there and see the and answer. See like, oh, you know, this Microsoft has a bigger market share than Amazon or something like that. But but, but, but the article is basically that, that content is no longer king, the new king right. is data. Yeah, the the new king is data. Okay. Not content. Like we move on, Dan. Okay. <laughs> well, it's our it's our last uh, our last article. Hold on, hold on. This one's not loading up for me. Oh hold my on. god. We got to got to. I know tech technical issues. Stop stop the presses. Yeah. Uh, let's try it in a different browser. There it is. It likes Chrome. Singtel counts on Telco Edge to crack enterprise five G market. They have made investments in multi-access edge compute platform. They want to stand out in the enterprise market for 5G services. Singtel does. Awesome. Yeah, you know what's amazing is Bill Chang's been running that group for a decade now. Yeah. I mean, that's... Have you met him? Does he wear like a sweater that's the same color as what he's standing in front of? No. No. 
Um, He's got good handlers is what you're saying. Do you have a handler? Um, like when you go to speak at a thing, is there like a person who's like fixes your like collar or brushes off your, uh, well, so before the pandemic stuff, yeah. Yeah. I would usually, um, there'd be like a PR team and there would be times when they would like brush me. Like would they brush you, brush you, fix your hair or something like that? Uh, yeah. Or, you know, did they ever put makeup on you? Had makeup put on me. Yeah. 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 I mean like in a professional context, not like a Halloween thing in a professional context. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're giving a talk, not like I'm like, if you're dressing like as a vampire for, well, it tends to be, it tends to be, um, when on, um, TV or video is when it tends Mm -hmm. to be. Yeah. In a well-lit situation. So, Mm -hmm. um, when I've been on Bloomberg, for example, I remember them mm-hmm. doing some makeup, that kind of thing. Were they your people that traveled with you, like part of your entourage, or were they assigned to you from, like the like the, when you got there, there were people there to do it? It depends. It depends. Do they tell you ahead of time so you know if you need to have your own people there? They or do. They work yeah. with the handlers to get it handled. Yeah. I also like just showing up. I mean, like, there's no handler here, right? I'm not being handled. I, I guess I'm the handler today. I guess, yeah. But there, there have been there have been times in my past when I bump into somebody and they're like, "Oh man, I really love the blog post and what you put up on LinkedIn. It's really insightful." And I'll go, "Oh, um, <laughs> thank you." Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't write it. I didn't post it either. There's like a social media team running it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But. But I also don't like that myself, to be honest. I mean, there's the uh, handler part. Oh no, I love I love being handled. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, who who wouldn't who wouldn't like to have a small team that just their job is to make you look good? Uh, it's not just that, but there's times when there's a whole lot going on. There's just somebody whose job it is to know everything that's going on and sort of go from boom 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 to the next, and then mm-hmm. your job is to show up and do your you know, basically hit your marks and say your lines. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just, it's just like that. And that, and that can be, um, that can be helpful. That's it though. That's all we had. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and I think, uh, it makes a lot of sense for, uh, Singtel's enterprise group to continue being a enterprise group and to continue doing things for their customers. And those things are, increasingly being called edge instead of cloud and mm-hmm. the use cases are new. So that's, uh, that sounds fantastic. And, uh, like I said, Bill's had a great run there. Keep it up. Mm-hmm. Go, 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 Bill, go, Bill. Thanks, Dan. So if you want to, if, if you want to learn more about what Jason does, you can go to uh, mobileedgex.com. You can go to the website for this show. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, livingontheedge.show. It is. You can get the show notes uh, from there. Just livingontheedge.show yep. slash 10. That'll yeah. be the links and people can follow along. Yeah. And as they should. Uh, hopefully. As they should. Absolutely. Uh, and Jason, you do still exist on Twitter. I've seen you reply to a few I people. Do. I at do. Jason H. If you want to get him, if you want to ask me a question as, as Jason's handler, that's right. Uh, you can reach me at Dan Benjamin on Twitter, and I will handle the question. Nice. Well, thank you, Dan. 
Thank you, sir, and uh, have a good week. You too. Fantastic. <laughs>